Hi, and welcome to our podcast. I am Corinne Gasper, and I am the host, director of Jennifer's Messengers. Uh, this is brought to you by Every Brain Matters. We are here to sound the alarm on marijuana impaired driving that affects all of us. We are educating today on the legal ramifications of driving while impaired and how it endangers not only the perpetrator, but all that travel on our roads. Today, we are honored to have with us Melissa Schiffel from the Prosecutor's Office, appointed to our Delaware County Prosecutor's Office in April of 2019. Melissa brings more than a decade of prosecutorial and leadership experience in the position. She began her career as assistant prosecutor in Wood County, Ohio, where she specialized in prosecution of felony theft and fraud cases. After that, Melissa joined the Fairfield County Prosecutor's Office, where she became the chief prosecutor of the criminal division, leaving only to join the ranks of the Ohio Attorney General's Office. During her time in the state, Melissa traveled to many Ohio counties, taking lead on various felony cases involving crimes like public corruption, sexual abuse, and fraud. Melissa not only is a prosecutor, but she's also a mom. So um, she, she is now living in Delaware County, and we're so happy to have her here. As a city prosecutor, Melissa led an office of, county, of the countywide jurisdiction over thousands of misdemeanors and traffic offenses annually. And that's why we have her here. Hi, Melissa, how are you doing today? Hi, Kareen, thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I'm excited to talk with you about um, this topic and kind of share my experience and my thoughts. Thank you so much, Melissa. I have a few questions for you. Um, and please feel free to go wherever you want with these questions. And um, uh, my first question would be, why is this issue of impaired driving so important to you? You know, I have to say, when I became city prosecutor in Delaware, I was a bit shocked and alarmed by the number of impaired driving cases we had come through that court um, for our county. And that really created in me a passion for impaired driving because I know as a career prosecutor that those cases we are seeing in court are the tip of the iceberg. So if we're only seeing you know, thousands of impaired driver cases, there are a lot more other people that aren't getting caught. And what that says to me is this is a problem. It is a huge problem. It is a severe problem. And as I've prosecuted these cases, and I'm you know, thinking of one particular right now where four people were killed by an impaired driver, um, it comes down to selfishness for me, right? Um, those are selfish decisions made by people who decided to get impaired on drugs or alcohol and then got behind a car, which I consider to be a loaded and deadly weapon. And then it puts everybody on the roads at risk. It puts the impaired driver at risk. It puts those four innocent people oh. you know, who lost their life because of an impaired driver at risk, every single person. And, you know, I want my daughter to grow up in a world, world that's safe and secure. I don't want her to have to worry about, is the person coming to the four-way stop impaired? Are they going to stop or are they going to run, you know, straight through me? And I don't want to have to worry about that as a parent because it comes down to selfishness. Take responsibility for yourself and don't get behind the wheel. 
Well, I certainly know that's true. I mean, I lost my daughter to a marijuana impaired driver, as we as we've spoken about before. And um, these drivers, like you said, put everybody at risk, not just themselves, but any innocent person, either on a bicycle, walking, in another car, in a in a school bus. Police yeah. officers are are endangered. You're right. It's it's a scary thing. So um, lately, since they legalized uh, medical marijuana in our state, have you seen an uptick in in the number of cases that are coming across your your desk? You know, I, I get this question a lot about different types of crimes. Is there an increase in violent crime? Is there an increase in impaired drivers? And really, it's an unfair question. <laughs> and the reason it's unfair is because Ohio does a really crappy job of tracking its impaired drivers' cases. Hmm. And so it has nothing to do with, you know, medical marijuana being legalized because I am sure there's an uptick in it. But the stats we collect are so terrible and antiquated that I can't point to a stat for you and tell you that. Now, what I think is important to note, though, is that even when we can collect the stats, they are not... um, collecting data from poly abusers. And so what's a poly abuser? Well, that's someone that is, you know, drinking alcohol and using marijuana yes. or that's some, someone that's doing marijuana and fentanyl or marijuana and heroin. And it doesn't, there is not a stat to track that because of the way impaired drug or alcohol testing is done by law enforcement. So I'm, that's an unfair question. I'm not trying to dodge it. But we need better stats in Ohio. We need better testing. So ultimately, we need better laws to make that happen, right, Melissa? Yes. Okay. Um, Do most drivers involved in marijuana crashes get prosecuted for these crimes? And is there much loss of life with these crimes that you You see? Yeah, that comes back to the question you just asked. And I'll give you, you know, an example So someone is pulled over for, you know, a traffic violation. The law enforcement officer believes them to be impaired on something, drugs or alcohol. So then that person submits to a chemical test or a blood test, like a urine or a blood test. If that result comes back that they had um, enough alcohol in their system, that they were over the legal limit, there is not going to be additional testing. So in my experience, and I think the um, stats from other states support this, that these um, marijuana users are actually polysubstance users. And so they're mixing marijuana with cocaine. They're mixing marijuana with alcohol. So are there more being prosecuted? I would say so, because we're vigorously prosecute these impaired driving cases in Ohio. But can I point to a specific stat or drug test to you? No, because chances are these people are are impaired on eight other substances that we do have the lab result for. So we need better testing. This way we can collect the data that's necessary. Yes. And, you know, that comes back to is there are there enough labs in the state of Ohio, you know, to be able to process these samples? Is there enough you know, availability of workers to do that. And it is a huge cycle, but it's so important, I think, to get honest and truthful data for both sides of this argument, for the people who think the laws, the laws should be True. stronger, or for the law, people who think that marijuana should be legalized. Let's equip ourselves with true and accurate data. And that involves testing for all substances in these cases. 
So do you also think that would mean oral swabs? Do you think they would help with this? I do think that they would help with this. And I know uh, you provided me with some information many months ago about um, the swabs being used, I think, in the state of Michigan, maybe. Yes. Uh, And, you know, that I I would be supporting that wholeheartedly here in the state of Ohio. It would take some, you know, legal hurdles to go through in court. But we do that every year with uh, the breath test for alcohol. And so we should do it with marijuana, especially if there's going to continue to be a push to decriminalize marijuana, then you need to provide the swabs to law enforcement on the scene to get these impaired drivers off the yes. road. Yeah, we definitely need them on the scene. Yeah, you need to do it anyways, but that seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, it really does. The The oral swabs don't detect a level, but they do detect the presence. So then yeah. other testing can be done to, to help detect the level. Um, and I as think yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to note too, we're not saying swab someone and arrest them for OVI or you know being impaired and under the influence. No. The swab is just giving you the additional information as a law enforcement officer to say, you know what, I think something's not right here. They seem to be impaired. I've gotten these clues from the field sobriety test. Let me swab them. Oh, look, yes, there's the presence of marijuana. We're going to do additional tests, additional testing to confirm our suspicions. No one would ever suggest you swab someone and then charge them. Right. Right. Do you, um, I've heard that in a lot of our dispensaries, there's no warning labels on a lot of the the marijuana that we sell out of our dispensaries. And I just wondered if if you thought um, warning labels might help deter people from driving. And I, I also know you mentioned one other time that that um, some of the people that get arrested think because they have a medical marijuana card that it's okay to drive while using these products. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah. So, you know, I haven't been to any of the dispensaries, so I haven't looked at the products, but it seems like common sense to me when you're giving someone a drug yes. capable of impairing that there's a warning label on it. I mean, yes. I, I don't think that you know, should be a shocker to anyone. It's on all of our prescription drugs. Um, when you pick up a prescription, don't operate heavy machinery. It right. mostly should be on the medical marijuana. And if it's not there, then shame on you legislature for not getting that done yet. It's on cigarettes. It's on alcohol. It should be on the medical marijuana. And, you know, the many, many times people will say, well, I have a medical marijuana card when they're pulled over by law enforcement. That is not a blank get out of jail free car right. card for impaired. Just like if you get a prescription drug, you can't take it and drive impaired on it. You know, that's it's a fallacy, people. You might have a medical marijuana car, but you can't get behind the wheel and be impaired. Right, right. We're trying to, you know, since I heard about this, we're trying to educate, put information out there about this. Things we take for granted that people would would automatically think they don't. They think it's like you said, a license to drive high. Yeah. Um, you know, right now. I want to say, Kareem, too, about that is yes. you know, if we're putting labels on this stuff. Let's be truthful about the label, right? Yes. Let's just say not only that you shouldn't operate heavy machinery, that it could, you know, you could be under the influence, but let's really tell people how much under the influence they're going to be if they take this THC. And, you know, I was thinking of a slide that I looked at earlier um, that someone had sent to me, you know, we're giving them a THC popsicle or a ring pop. 
with 100 milligrams, which is 10 times the FDA FDA maximum allowance for THC. So let's really inform these people on this label. Like you are taking 10 times the amount of what the FDA has approved for this. Um, I don't know. I I think you brought up an an interesting topic. I I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry about that. Um, I think you brought up an interesting topic of edibles. And the fact that, you know, you may not feel the, the consequences of, of what you've eaten until 30 minutes later, and you could feel fine. Oh, that hasn't affected me at all. And hop in your car and be totally impaired in 20 minutes once this goes through your digestive system. So um, right. I think that's something to warn people about, that yes. it can take anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour to affect them. Because it has to go through the digestive system, get into the brain. Uh, I, I mean, uh, go into the blood and then into the brain where yep. it's going to stay. And you don't know the consequence or how you're going to feel if you've had anything, any drug before that or any alcohol before you took that. True. Or if you do it after you've eaten the edible, like just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've heard about... Um, the fact that there are people in Colorado now that um, when they get pulled over and they don't detect any alcohol, but they show signs of impairment with the roadside tests, um, they, they, of course, you know, get arrested for the drug charge. But what they're doing now is they're using the drug and right before they get in their car, they're drinking some beer so that when they get pulled over beer smell you know they the, the yeah. officer can can smell the beer and detect the beer and so when they do the roadside test and don't pass they blame it on that one beer you know but they didn't blow the right level of, of over point um yeah. 0.08 so they're you know they're trying we just need to we, we need to circumvent all these things that they're doing and, and get down to why they are impaired and that's where the oral oral swabs will come in and really help us out yeah. Um, let's see. Did I ask you about the, the, oh yes. Um, I was wondering what you thought the effect of legalization on recreational marijuana will have in our state, you know, once it's everywhere and legal well, for everybody. I mean, it's going to be catastrophic. There will be obviously increased crimes, prosecution for impaired drivers. There will be an increase of fatalities as a result of impaired driving crashes And, you know, something that I don't think people realize is, you know, there is a movement um, to decriminalize a bunch of laws and to push for rehabilitation and et cetera. And, you know, there's a time and a place for that. But when you are talking about legalizing an impairing drug, you are also talking about limiting liberty for those who are prosecuted for that drug. So you want the decriminalization, but you don't seem to care that more people are going to be prosecuted because we can look at California and Colorado to know that that number is going to go up significantly. So to me, it doesn't make any sense um, in the scheme of all the arguments going on in the world. It's just, it's both are going to happen. And unfortunately, if that's what the legislature decides to do, they better be prepared to increase jails. They better be prepared to increase prison populations for the repeat offenders for the people who kill people while they're impaired and those are automatic felonies and they're going to prison, they better equip prosecutor's office and law enforcement agencies to better, um, you know, detect and prosecute all of these impaired drivers because it will go up exponentially. Yeah. It's, it's a really scary thought to think about what's going to happen. And, and, 
I mean, I don't think the penalties are that great right now. I think they should be stronger for people, you know, that that do kill other people because they they carelessly drove impaired. But I hate to think of what's going to happen when it's it's everywhere and it's it's recreational. And it always amazes me that somebody would want to use a drug like marijuana recreationally. You know, why would we want to mess with our brain chemistry like that? Because it. If, if you learn more about it, which we're trying to educate about, I think more people would think twice and more young people would too think twice about using this powerful drug. Um, I think what, it's so important, like understanding that the marijuana of today, and you are really the one that taught me this green and caused me to do more research into it is it is not the marijuana from the 1970s. The potency level is out of this world and it, it is, is psychosis in our youth. And we have to fight against that. And there are so many other physical things that we're learning about, you know, the research that we're doing. I mean, to think that some of our our young people might be using this drug because they're told from the marijuana industry that it's natural and it's, it's it, you know, God made this. And, and it's just really scary to see how it's been put out there and that you actually drive better when you're high. You know, you drive right. slower. Well, the man that killed my daughter was going 82 miles an hour. And a friend of mine, Phil. Uh, that man was also speeding when he hit his sister. So, you know, it's just not true. And we really need to get the truth out there. Well, I, I, I know that you're somewhat involved in this, but what would you like to see happen with the laws in Ohio and, and uh, that might help prevent more impaired driving incidences like this? You know, I think what's so important is that our laws continue to move forward to hold people accountable for the crimes that they commit in general. We cannot move towards decriminalizing criminal behavior. Uh, when we are talking about impaired drivers and drug impaired drivers specifically, we cannot decriminalize that because we are putting lives at risk. At, at risk. And a push that I've noticed um, to do that with impaired driving is a couple of things that they, they want um, to be able to say is they want to tie prosecutors to proving a specific type of THC at Delta 9. Um, they shouldn't be doing that because no, the Delta because 8 there's is... a Delta 8, right? <laughs> I mean, and as soon as you, decri- you know, criminalize Delta 8, there's going to be a Delta 7. There's so a Delta just, 0 now. They're, you know, they just keep moving it all over the place. But that's how they are continuing to chip away at the prosecutor's ability to hold people accountable for driving yeah. And so we have to fight against that and we have to educate people. You know, we also, you know, we want to make sure that people understand when they're writing these laws, the science behind marijuana. And if you are testing positive for THC at a certain level past two hours, you were high as a kite when you were driving. And so you should be prosecuted for being impaired. And, you know, one of the examples of that is the state of Washington that Dr. Drum um, you referred to me, hooked me up with that zero tolerance law yes. um, at a certain point. That is an amazing piece of legislation in the state of Washington. Um, and if we move towards legalizing marijuana in the state of Ohio further, I absolutely will advocate for that. I also think there should be a zero tolerance level for anyone who's choosing to drive under illicit drugs. Like, come on. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I totally agree. 
Well, we certainly have a lot of work to do, and um, I know that you're working hard, and, and I'd like to work along beside you, and whatever um, whatever I can do to help you, I'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, I do get a lot of information from all my sources, because most of them are in uh, Washington, uh, Colorado, uh, California, where this all is legal, so they've already seen it. So um, I just thank you so much for uh, coming and speaking with us today. I really appreciate appreciated talking with you, and um, I hope we can do this again soon. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thanks, Kareen. Thank you.